Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spech. Hello. How's it going this week, Derek? It's going good. Anything fun and exciting happening? Oh, no. You know, same old, same old. Work, work, work. Yeah, but spring's getting closer. Oh, I know. I'm so excited. I just want to get out in the water. It's still a little bit too chilly, and I, I don't want to go out on my own, and and uh, Siobhan's not ready to go out when it's still this cold. Well, they're doing the big... Uh, get together May 5th and I'm thinking oh that's great then I realized yeah every couple of years it ends up that's the weekend we do my we celebrate my daughter's birthday and this year is the year <laughs> so <laughs> looking at the calendar trying to uh, uh, see what's available for time wise and that it doesn't look like I'm hitting the uh, the get together that's for sure well you know but, she has a birthday every year yeah I know but <laughs> apparently that's not an excuse <laughs> Trust me, you don't think I haven't thrown that out before? <laughs> There's She'll have another birthday next, next year. year. She's going to live to be like 90. So what's <laughs> one out of 90 birthdays? Exactly. I mean, How greedy know. can you be? Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently that doesn't that doesn't fly so well. So, But yeah, definitely looking forward to getting out and doing some, some canoeing and that. Get out on the water. Uh, when we had our uh, film fest... One of the gentlemen there actually runs his own stand-up paddleboard coaching and yes. training and whatnot yes. session. And uh, he's actually put the effort out because we'd mentioned, yeah, you know, we do, we're not paddleboarders. You know, we do all the, the other stuff, but not that. And uh, so he's going to take us out and uh, give us an introductory course to stand-up paddleboarding uh, right around the corner from my house. Which is, <laughs> which is <laughs> That's convenient. Yeah, how convenient. Because I'd mentioned to him that we were looking at heading maybe up to Barry or something, because they have a couple places up that way that do it. And uh, he said, I'll just take you down the road and we'll go out and do it. And so we're going to uh, do that probably, that'll probably happen in June mm-hmm. when the water's a bit warmer down this way. Um, well, it is like Ontario. It never really gets warm. That's why I said a bit warmer. <laughs> a bit. <laughs> Half a degree is a bit. I remember, it was probably about four or five years ago, I was, I went down to Lake Ontario to practice some rolls in the spring. And I could not be in the water. Like so I, I walked into the water and my ankle started aching right away. It was so cold. And this was like early June, but the water was like, uh, I think it was like about 10, 11 degrees. And it's just like, <laughs> but that's yeah. what, that's what Lake Ontario does. And it does flip. Like you, you're talking from one day to the next, it'll flip from, uh, it stratifies, but then it flips in like, I think it's July and then back again in September. So suddenly it'll pop up to about 20, 24 degrees. And then in the fall, it'll flip again. And like within 12 hours, it'll drop back down to about 10 degrees. So you just got to be a bit patient and go out and do it again when it's flipped. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Flip when it flips. It's amazing though to see the temperatures change. Like we see it at work, right? We monitor the lake temperatures. Yeah. And it does, you, you can watch it flip within 12 hours. Cool. It's wild. It's really weird. Really weird. Well, we're going to wait till June and uh, we'll, we'll go out with them for the day and uh, we'll check out the paddleboard situation. Yes. I look forward to that. Hopefully we can actually stay on the board. Yeah, that, that'll and, be uh, a key point. Yeah, that'll be a key point, staying dry. <laughs> I'm going in a tuxedo, so <laughs> yes, yes. the whole point is to stay dry. Yeah, no yoga. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? I, I, I look forward to that, actually learning how to do it properly. And uh, yeah, something to add to our uh, repertoire of things. Yes. You know? And you know, if it, uh, I'm like, I'm actually looking forward to trying this out because I've, I've been, over the last six months, I keep... Every, I've been watching for sales on stand-up paddle boards and I kind of been thinking that I want an inflatable one because it packs away, but I definitely want to try it to know whether I'm going to buy one. Yeah. I, I'm, I want to try one before I buy one. Yeah. I, so I'm not yeah. going to buy one unless I know I'm actually going to like it. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's coming up. That'll be fun. Then we'll, we'll get them on the show and uh, have a little chat with them about the, what we learned and yep. if we liked it and not. And, uh, cause uh, yeah, I'd made a comment, um, at the uh, Real Paddling Film Festival when we hosted it, saying, you know, I've tried surfing and it hurt because every time I get <laughs> thrown off the board, I end up doing belly flops, uh, you know, and getting dragged under. And it's like, oh, I've never just, tried surfing, but I will someday. Yeah, I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> Maybe I just sucked at it. Well, apparently I sucked at it, but, yeah. you know. Um, one of the other things we came across last week, Tracy Lynn Martin, she's the one that's doing the... Um, 
Great Lakes and Eastern Seaboard uh, world record attempt. Yes. So if anybody Kayaking. recalls us talking about this, she's going to circle the Great Lakes, go down the St. Lawrence Seaway, go down the Eastern Seaboard, come back up the Mississippi. No, there's no, a couple other that small river? rivers that come up and through. Yeah. Yep, through New York. And, and then the she's going to end like, up yeah. back in on Lake Ontario. And then and she then... ends up back up Lake Ontario, finishing yeah. in on uh, Huron again. So it's, she's going for a world record, 8,600 miles. Yeah. And uh, she needs a, a large, a good section of time to do this. She figures she needs about 10 months. And she wants to do it all in one season. season one one paddling year. So that's what thing. limits her and that's what's pushing her right now to get going and get on the water. Yeah. So she was, she's, she went out, um, beginning of March, what, the 9th or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she, uh, started going and there was a cell phone miscommunication. I guess it was cutting in and out and I guess her team thought that she was in trouble. Yeah. She lost so, contact. She was fine. Yeah. She, the first. But they sent out search and rescue. Yeah. And they, they brought her off and said, okay, well, whatever. And then uh, four days later, she actually did run into trouble and search and rescue had to come and pull her out again. Yeah. So that and was twice. Yeah, twice. And they said, three strikes, you're out. Um, they said, if you, if we have to rescue you again, basically, we're taking your, your kayak away from yeah. you. Yeah. So it was the Michigan search and rescue as well as Coast Guard. They're both yeah. looking at taking actions against her if she, try, if she has to be rescued again. Yeah, it's, um, it's, there's, I, we can see her point that she needs the time, she needs to get moving yes. on it, but. Yeah, I, I feel bad for her and I appreciate the pressure that's on her. She needs a large chunk of time. So she's trying to get out as soon as possible so that, and it, her late start or any late start pushes her too late into the year when the weather starts getting bad again. So she needs a good chunk of time before the snow flies and the, and the lakes start to ice back up again. So she's, she's feeling the pressure. She wants to get out. She wants to get on the water. Unfortunately, she had some tough luck. Like this last time she got caught up in some, uh, in ice flows. And so the wind was blowing the ice flows. She had the, the ice had uh, done some damage or something to her rudder and yeah. she ended up, uh, they were tracking her via GPS and they saw that she was going in the wrong direction. And, and, uh, so there was, again, she came across difficulty. And like I said, I appreciate what she's trying to do. I understand what she's trying to do. She, she's feeling a lot of time pressure and she's got a lot of distance to cover. Unfortunately, the Mother with, Nature is not participating. Yeah, and and anybody who's familiar with the Great Lakes is uh, this is a rough time of year to try and get out and get started. Like even the tankers aren't out yet. Like the, we're looking at the tankers are going to start running, or the the barges and whatever are going to start running the lakes soon. But there's still too much ice flows, especially in some of the tight sections. So yeah, I mean they're starting to head down the uh, St. Lawrence, but I don't think they're heading through the lock systems no, or, not yet. or anything it's, like that there's yet. There's still no. too much ice. Yeah. Uh, and of course she's getting flack from, you know, everywhere saying, you know, you're doing this wrong and you're not paying attention, but. People can be very know. mean on Facebook and online. It's, yeah. uh, and some of them are internet trolls, but other ones are just, people get opinionated. Big time. Yeah. Big time. So, so that was last week. She said she's going to head back home for a couple of weeks and hopefully she'll come back and reassess the situation if, you know, if there's a big melt and yes. whatnot and things look better, she's going to continue. Uh, but she's definitely said in, until things improve a lot with the ice and everything, she's not going back out. Yeah. She, which is the smart thing to do. Yeah. She's, and I think she's weighing two things. One is safety. Yeah. And the other thing is the fact that she can't afford to get in trouble again. Both, it'll, it'll affect her both publicly and sponsorship wise, as well as, you know, is the fact that if she gets rescued again, she's going to be in trouble, but... It's, uh, again, I, I feel for her, but she's got to, unfortunately, wait a little bit for the ice. Hopefully she's got to turn in weather. She, well, that's what we need. We need the weather to warm up and the ice to go away. Yeah. Nice, really good thaw. Yes. So, well, hopefully all the best to her, you know, we'll keep an eye on her and, uh, like I say, I guess she's coming back next week to check it all out yes. and we'll see what happens from there, but we'll keep an eye on it. And, uh, yeah, Tracy Lynn Martin, if you Google her, um, on the, on, well, on Google. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to, or ju just around the point. Just around the point. Um, dot com. Dot com. And you'll, you can find out what she's trying to, 
to accomplish there. And yeah, all the best to her. Hopefully uh, things start going her way and it doesn't hold her back too much longer. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing some research on a few things. I, I've gotten some, a few emails from people about ideas for the show and stuff. One of the ones that came by was Downriver Canoe Racing. Uh, there was a gentleman that's um, in uh, New England. Um, he said, hey, have you thought about this? Because there's all these groups and this is what it is. And there's... So I started looking at see about checking it out for uh, a topic for our show. And there's just so much there. That's that's going to be a bit to wade through what's what. It's, and, there's and... a lot of information. It's... Oh, yeah, yeah. But in my research, looking at downriver canoe racing, if you if if you're sitting in front of your computer, Google uh, the River Rat Race in Athol, Massachusetts, A T H O L, uh, specifically maybe like the 2012-13 races, 2014 races. All I can say is like more than 200 canoes lined up, and when that gun goes. <laughs> Picture a smash-up derby. Well, I was on the water. <laughs> what I was, a riot! What I was mentally comparing riot. it to um, like roller derby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, all these guys—they just start honking on those paddles, and they're giving it all they've got. They're just go, 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 dig, dig, dig. Yeah, and they're bashing into people. They don't care who's beside them, who's <laughs> behind them trying to pass. They they see their line that they want to take and they just go for it. You don't want to take a nice wow. canoe. <laughs> oh yeah. That brand new one you just bought this, this winter and you've taken it out for your, yeah, that's not the place nope. you're going for the first time. <laughs> and it, it actually, I, I do believe it's, uh, in April is the, the race mid April. Um, but <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple onboard videos that are available on the website and it, it shows like there's one video we watched. It was about 10 or 15 minutes long and there's another one that was over an hour long. And, uh, it's just incredible to see the number of canoes in the, in the, uh, viewfinder of that camera. There's a lot of support staff and support crews on shore oh, safety with throw cu- bags, safety, crews, in that. safety yeah. crews. Like it's, it is very well organized. It is, it looks like it's very well done for safety wise. There's uh we, we saw in a couple of the screenshots and stuff, there was uh, helicopters flying overhead. Yeah. So there's a lot going on, but it's just to see these guys and they've got these ultralights, um, uh, sport like the paddles, carbon, carbon, the carbon paddles. fiber paddles, but the blades are very small. I was yep. surprised. So what it is, is they're keeping up a heavy paddling pace. They're not worried about the quantity of water moved. They're worried about, and it, it's just like we talked, uh, in a previous episode about the, uh, the, uh, Iceland or Greenland paddles. The Greenland paddles, yeah. yeah. It's not about the size of the blade. It's about the the, the technique and, mm-hmm. and your paddle rate. But I got to think, these guys were doing what? A, a stroke a second. Yeah. And they're just like, shoo, 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 Oh, shoo, you got to be shoo, in shape. Going. Oh, man. Because they're paddling for a good hour at that speed. I, and they don't let off. No. And I mean, these <laughs> guys, they the one we saw, they started like 220th or something like that. And they passed 176 canoes. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. <laughs> what a riot watching that. And you're just, because yeah. you're sitting there, okay, here they go, here they go. And then I'll hear, bang. And someone slams into the side yeah. of them or somebody gets spun around. And, yeah, we and all saw... of a sudden they're blocking and you T-bone them. <laughs> yes, we saw a T-bone. Oh. And they just, he just, he, they hit that canoe in front of them, T-boned it. And then he kept paddling and he, they ended up turning these guys backwards. They just pushed them out of the way paddling. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, get going. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I'd want to participate, but that'd be something to watch. It, oh, absolutely. You yeah. know, but yeah, it's held every, it's held, this particular one is held every year, but there's, um, uh, it, when we, when I started getting into the, the research, like I say, we're going to do a full show on this at some point. Um, there's like points given for, for races and, in order to be um, up for winner of the year sort of thing, you got to be in at least five of 10 or 20 races or something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And you get points for where you place and all that sort of stuff. So I saw some of them dressed up. I saw a couple of Mario brothers in the canoes. I saw a couple of uh, minions. Yeah. 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 Some people are there just, They're just to have for fun. fun. Yeah. But there's, like I say, the guys that we're watching do it are definitely. They're taking it very seriously. Yeah. Yeah, they're taken very seriously, and um, 
yeah, <laughs> they're there to win it. Yeah. You know, but uh, yeah, just, just blowing by everybody at that speed. Yeah. You know, wow. <laughs> but yeah, definitely Google, uh, Athol, Massachusetts river rat race. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of them, um, videos there, but wow, you'll, you'll, you'll get, a, you'll get quite the laugh. And I think these are videos that you'll be watching and, and, oh, like I say, we, I, I was watching that one. It was about 24 minutes long and halfway through I'm finding, I'm like leaning, <laughs> come on, go this way. Go this way. <laughs> you know, sort of like when you throw the bowling ball down the lane and you're trying to lean to, to get it to curve, curve one way ball. or the next, right? You're watching this on the, on the laptop and you're curve, you're leaning to the side to get the guy to go around. Cause you see what's coming. <laughs> go the so, other way. Yeah. So check that out. Um, you were looking at a new tent, I do believe. You yes, saw. It, I'm not buying it or anything like that. Of course, I'm just it, I've ever since I uh, got my first Hennessy hammock, I've been I've been kind of fixated on uh, hammock tents, and uh, I noticed this one had come up. Uh, it's the it, it's made by REI, so it's an REI quarter dome air hammock, and it's uh, it's a decent. It looks like a decent hammock. Uh, we, the two of us, we kind of peruse through some of the reviews and some of the comments, the pros and cons. It's a, it's a interesting little hammock. It's uh, we've seen quite a few. We were at the uh, Toronto Outdoor Show. We saw the Eureka one, right? Yep. And, uh, so and of course we all know the Hennessy cause yeah, that was Hennessey all the rage hammock. a couple of years back. I think that's pretty much where it started is with mm-hmm. Hennessy. The Hennessy, yeah. Anyways, this one here, it's, uh. So it's made by REI. It's their own in-house tent that they've made and designed. And it's the, the tent itself. It looks like a bathtub. So yeah, it's, it looks like a bathtub with a, a mesh, a triangle mesh, mesh uh, Yeah, exactly. So it's a bathtub, a squarish tub that floats in the air. And it's got, uh, it's got a rain cover. It's got a built-in uh, bug fly. It, it seems like a, not a bad design. Like a lot of these, everybody tries to come up their own take on hammock tents. And this one here is, it's another unique design. It's uh, like when we looked at the Eureka one, it, it had a square bucket at one side mm-hmm. and this one is fully square. So everybody's doing their own little take. This one here doesn't look too bad. It, uh, it has an interesting design. But the, well, a common complaint of it is that the rain fly is too small. Yeah. When I first looked at the pictures, yeah, before, those, before, your before very first you comment. said anything about any of the comments or re- reviews or anything, yeah. I said, I'm looking at this and that rain, fl- that tent fly is, too, is small. too small. Yeah. If, if you're getting hit from the side, yeah, it's going to be okay. But if, if that wind starts blowing it around yeah. and it's coming from either end, you're getting soaked. Yeah. It, uh, it doesn't seem to cover very well. It's a little too short. It, what it needs is, uh, the fly needs to have a bit more of a wing on the end so that you can wrap it closed or leave it open. Yeah. And it, it needs, definitely needs to go up higher. Um, yeah. On, on each end. Yes. Definitely needs to go higher. Yeah. Uh, because like I say, if it's, if it swirls around, it's coming right mm-hmm. underneath. And I mean, there's so much uh, mesh at the top. It's going right through the mesh. And like you say, it's like a bathtub. And what do you collect in a bathtub? <laughs> Water. Water. That's what I'm saying, my yeah. friend. That's what I'm saying. But it seems like a decent design. If not oh, for the Oh, it definitely fly. looks like a cool design. Like if this, as it is here, without any rain, it, it looks like it's uh, a decent design. It looks like it's comfortable. It looks like it's fairly easy to get in and out of. It's well thought out, except for the fly. Uh, like I would definitely be putting up a secondary uh, tarp to keep rain off the actual yes. tent itself. Now, my big um, thing about the uh, Hennessy hammock was the main wire. That goes straight down. When I was laying in it, if I moved my head up, you I got that your, wa- yeah, wire yeah. right in the, the, the cable, uh-huh. right in the middle of my forehead. Yeah. This, you're not going to have that problem. It's way up. It's yeah, way, it's way up compared yeah. to, to you sleeping way mm-hmm. down below, right? So I think that's that's definitely a bonus. Uh, I think that's what this has got over the uh, the Hennessy for sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's like you're, you're laying in the bottom of a, of a, a, a tub. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I think that's definitely a bonus. And again, you've got the, um, 
door on the side. It's a zip door, almost yes. like on a tent, a regular tent, yep. right? So it, it does look pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I can see, and of course, when you read the reviews, that's something else other people have said. Everybody. Is the fly. Yeah. So I think if they kept this right now, um, I think if they kept the, the hammock the way it is and just refurbished the fly for the next uh, generation. Yeah. I think, I think yeah, I think it'd be pretty cool. It's got to be longer. It's got to be deeper. Mm-hmm. You know? it's It seems like it's a decent weight. It's three pounds, two ounces. It uh, It's $220 US at REI. And uh, it, it, so it, all in all, it's, it's a fair design. It's just, it's the Rainfly. And it comes in red hot and Seattle mist. Yes. All right. <laughs> yeah. You have no choices in color. You got no choice. You got red hot Seattle mist and that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think this, it looks pretty good. I mean, I'm still, I, I, I'm not really a hammock guy. I still prefer to sleep on the ground. Uh, but out of all the hammocks I have seen, I do like this one. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do like the, the setup for it. Um, this could be something you could be even put up just to hang around your campsite, especially yes. bug season. Yes. Like not necessarily as a sleeping thing. Yeah. Just to chill out for the afternoon, mm-hmm. read a book or something like that. And not have to be worried about bugs. Because right know, now, exactly. what do you do on in buggy season? Like in June, when you're on a trip, you end up inside your you're, tent anyway. You're even in, in your tent or you're in a bug jacket. You're yeah. always tied up, locked up somewhere. And... So I think this would be good for uh, for bug season, that's yep, for sure. Absolutely. You know, you can keep that off and just lays the day away. Mm-hmm. But again, with that tarp, the, the fly. And I mean, usually you'd put the... Uh, your gear underneath. Yeah. Yes. And I don't yeah. I don't think this fly would keep that dry. You absolutely need a secondary tarp to keep the rain off your gear and your rain off the ends of the uh, the hammock itself. Yeah. I'd like to see if anybody's got one of these and uh, see what their review on it is. Yeah, it's uh, on the website, on the REI website, there's uh, quite a few reviews of it. Yeah. And... Mostly positive. Uh, the only negative that people talk about is is the uh, is the rainfly, but uh, I'm I'm gonna have to take a look on YouTube and stuff see if I can find any other reviews of it. Yeah, I, I'd be interested to see. Like I say, it looks like it's great for camping, but the rain is. Yeah, you'd be concerned. Yeah, that that would be the only thing that gives me a concern. But you know what? If you had a secondary, like you're gonna have a, a tarp in your campsite anyways. You yeah. Just tarp over the uh, the hammock tent anyways. And I don't know how many times I've seen people tarp their tent as it is. A lot of people don't like the have trouble sleeping in rainstorms because of the tap 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 on the tarp. And but so a lot of people do a secondary tarp over their their ground tent anyways. Mm-hmm. Just so that extra. It's just you're going to be doing one over your hammock. So, yeah. So check that out. The REI, um, I keep wanting to call it a quarter hammock. The <laughs> it's the, the R- REI quarter dome air hammock. Yes. Check that one. I'll Google it and uh, check it out. Uh, and check, find it on the REI uh, website. How many hammock tents are we tracking now? Like we're... we're About 157. <laughs> 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 it, what I'm aware of right now is the... Uh, the Hennessy hammock, of course, mm-hmm. the tensile tent, yep. the uh, Eureka tent, and you got and this one now. The REI. Yeah. Uh, there are definitely other other brands out there, but these are the ones that we seem to be the primary running ones. Into. Yeah, yeah, the ones that that get the most coverage. Yeah. So while you were researching that last summer, I've had uh, a pair of Keens, the Newport H twos, for about four years. And I, I really liked them. They were comfortable. I mean, um, every summer I had to break them in because I'd get the blisters and oh, in the one spot first beginning of season. And, and that's so, common with a lot of water shoes. It's really hard to find a decent water yeah. shoe that doesn't cause blisters. Because once you start getting into the the wet canvas and wet leathers, it, they you can't help but have rub points. Yep. Um, so these, these last me for four years. I really enjoyed them. But they blew out. Um the, the straps on the one side of one shoe blew out and one of the straps on the other shoe blew out. So it's a fact, I just can't wear them anymore. So, uh, and actually my spare pair of sandals blew as well. <laughs> actually one, the, uh, the sole 
I went for a swim and when I was swimming all of a sudden something I looked and there goes the sole to one of my sandals. Oh, off. that was when you're on the French river. That was when I was on the French river last August. I'm just, I just can't win. So time for a new pair. I was just looking around whether I get a new pair of Keens or not. And I do like them, but one of the, probably the only, um, drawback to them besides the blisters, but like you say, that, that could, that's with most most uh, shoes like that, is the sides. When you're walking in water along a portage and stuff like that, and you get all the small sticks in the gravel yeah. and the sand, yeah. and, all, and it floats in under the sole of your foot. Mm-hmm. So between the sole of the, the, the keen and, uh, and the sole of your foot, and all of a sudden you get that jab in and you're trying to walk with a canoe and gear and wiggle your foot to, to shake out that little piece of yeah. stick or... Yeah. Or whatever it does a they do a beautiful job uh, protecting your toes. Yeah, and that was the reason I went with them is just for that protection of the of the toes. After leaving portages, I'm forever with my Keens. Is you get in the canoe and you drop a leg over the side and you yeah. rinse, rinse, repeat rinse to get all those sand and twigs and whatever at yeah. the bottom of your uh, Keens. That is the only complaint I have about my Keens. Yeah, I love those shoes except for that. Yeah. So I'm doing some research and stuff, and I came across the Solomon Tech Amphibian 3s. Um, these are a uh, they're, they're a shoe and sandal hybrid. Uh, land and water, no problems. They look almost the same as the Keens, except where those big holes are on the side, yeah. there's the mesh. Yeah. Right? There's mesh that goes through there. Um, and some more protection on the heel as well. Mm-hmm. There's the little uh, strap back, but it's yeah. I don't know. It's incorporated with a, a back cover uh, yeah. for your heel. And that. Almost looks like uh, a mini ski boot type thing with the open clamshell rear. And yeah, and so it looks like they've put some thought into it, and uh, and and have considered the fact that uh, you know what people come across or issues with these shoes. Well, they say it's a it's a blend. It blends the protection of a shoe with the lightweight comfort of a sandal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's definitely what you need, you know, uh, when you're, when you're out there. Um, quick drying mesh, it keeps the waterborne debris from being sucked under your soles. And that is the one, one thing. It's got the quick single lace pull system yeah. up the front. Uh, adjustable convertible heel uh, allows for use as shoes or slides. Yeah. So you end up like a slide, almost like a sandal or a slipper. Yeah, I, I can't stand using my shoes like that. I can't stand <laughs> it. So yeah, they're always used as as uh, shoes. They look decent enough that you could possibly use them like like if you were going to jog down a portage or something like that. I don't know if you'd have a, use it as a trail running shoe, but it looks like it would be a decent, uh, you could do a decent jog on a uh, portage. They're supporting. Well, the only thing I'd be using it for is... Um, in the canoe and on the portages, mm-hmm. right? Well, you know, I've, I've jogged portages before, so that's why I, I made the comments. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you're in a hurry. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm looking at those, I'm thinking that's exactly what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. So I know uh, Mountain Equipment Co-op sells them, Sale sells them. Atmosphere. And Atmosphere sells them. Uh, Atmosphere is 120 bucks. Yeah. Sale and Mountain Equipment Co-op are 110. 110, yeah. I mean, so 10 bucks is 10 bucks, right? Yeah. Um, choice of colors, not all sell them in the same yeah, color like you want. like if you go to the Solomon website itself. There's like three they, colors? Three different options for colors. Yeah. And, and Solomon sells it for 95, but I think that's a U.S. price. U.S. price. Um, I was looking at Sale and they're sold out everywhere except Quebec. Mm-hmm. Mountain Equipment Co-op. Uh, a lot of places are sold out in a lot of the sizes. Toronto and North York. Yeah. North York's right around the corner from my work And now. I would say like you can always just mail order, but stuff like this, you really want to test it for fit. Well, I think we'd go there and tie, try a pair on. Then if yeah. you don't like the color, then order. Yeah, Just remember exactly. what pair it was yeah. and order them, right? Yeah. And I think, well, yeah, at MEC I'm looking right now, they have one color available only. Black. Black. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I'm going to go try those out and give them a whirl. And if they are what I think they are, I mean, basically if they're like the Newports, the Keen Newports. Yeah. Just with mesh on the sides. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking I got myself a new pair of... Uh, 
shoes for the season, <laughs> you know? Um, and I mean, last year, no, sorry, two years ago now, I had those level six um, socks there, the neoprene socks that I wore inside my, my Keens, and they were beautiful inside that. That was in our October trip when it got uh, oh, okay. to like zero, below zero. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll be able to wear those inside these shoes as well and, uh, keep my feet nice and comfortable. Well, it'll beat, uh, birch bark and animal hides. Well, unless you go for that sort of thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> so yeah, so lots going on, uh, <laughs> this past week <laughs> in, from what we're finding and researching and yeah. stuff like that. Lots of stuff that we're seeing coming down the pipe. Well, it's one of those things like it's, it's springtime. So you're looking at new gear, you're investigating new options. Like you, you blew out your keen. So it's natural that you're going to be starting to look at stuff like this. It's, it's just that time of year where you're getting more and more amped up for the coming season. And you're looking at new, uh, I know you're looking at that hammock. <laughs> but no, I'm not, I would not buy it. I would not buy it. I've, uh, I've, uh, spent my limit on tents and hammocks and, uh, I'm actually kind of getting sort of disappointed in the hammock thing right now. One thing is it sucks away so much heat. Like you actually have to have a thermorest in it. And so I'm, I'm thinking of, of, of reversing course and investing in a decent thermorest. That's a good couple inches thick with down filling and, and, uh, just going back to ground sleeping. It's a thought. It's a thought. Yeah. I've never given up. Or I should start sleeping, sleeping on beaches. I have now had a thermo rest for eight years. I bought two new Bay Agnes thermo rests last year. I bought one for the hammock. So it's a mummy shape thermo rest. Yeah. And, or not thermo rest, a Big Agnes, uh, uh, what would you call it? The, the common name is thermo rest, but it's not the brand name. Uh, sleeping pads, inflatable sleeping pad. So I bought two Big Agnes, so one square and one uh, mummy shaped, and they both won't hold air. Right from like the second or third trip. It's like right off the bat. And I, I've tried them in water. I can't find the leak, so I'm not sure. Maybe it's just you. And they're expensive. I, oh, yeah. I, I went to, I went into sale the other day and I was looking at uh, new uh, sleeping pads and any of, any of the decent ones that are like a three to four to five inches thick, you're looking at two, 250 bucks. It's mm-hmm. like, holy cow. <laughs> yep. You know what? I never slept on a sleeping pad till I, I hurt my back. And then after that, just like I said, doing the shoulder season camping, the yeah. cold gets in your lower back and. Yeah. Oh. For me, it's like the uneven ground. I'm a side sleeper. So it, it's shoulder, ribs and, and hips. And, you know, yeah. My hips, man. Yeah. I'm getting old. Apparently you're getting old. <laughs> We're all getting old. Getting old. Yeah. And that's, that's why I was starting to migrate towards hammocks. And uh, like tent hammocks. And it was, it was sort of a, a natural progression as, you know, as the body ages, you want comfort and whatever. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I still, I got to still try out some options. Well, that's what it's all about. Just experiment and see what's out there. Give things a whirl and eventually you'll find something that you just actually cannot put down and you wouldn't give up. Yeah. Right. Well, let's take a quick break and this old guys will, we'll be right back. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton. And we're back. Um, we've been doing a lot of uh, reaching out to people and hearing from people about our show, which is really nice. The fact that people are actually listening to us. Because, <laughs> you know, you know I, I like the big shout out to my mom. <laughs> <laughs> but it, what, what was neat about the, uh, when we did the Real Paddle Film Fest is uh, 
we actually get direct feedback of people that are listening to the show. It's yeah. like, so it's, it's not fake. It's like, we actually have people listening to we us. We have more than one fan. Again, I'd like <laughs> to reach out to my mom and say hi. <laughs> um, Matt from Seattle. Yeah. All the way across to Seattle. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's people across the States listening to us. Uh, um, but Matt from Seattle had sent a, sent a message and said, have you ever heard of the Missouri, um, American water MR340? Uh, the, the MR340 I've never heard of. So I did a little bit of research on that. Missouri river, 340 miles which is uh, sorry, 547 kilometers. Basically, you're paddling across Missouri. Yeah. It's a race. Yep. It's a river race. If you go to rivermiles.com uh, and then you look at the MR340, explains everything about it. You can find uh, a lot more information than we're going to tell you here today. But it is a, say, a 340 mile, they, they say 340 miles of wind, heat, bugs, and rain. It is August 8th to 11th this year, and you're going from Kansas City, Missouri, over to St. Charles, which is uh, by St. Louis. Um, all open water, a big river. There's no portaging. There's, <laughs> you know, no rapids. It's all class yeah. one. Yeah. It's it's great. <laughs> uh, sounds right up our alley. Exactly. Until you find out. <laughs> But, there's always a but. There's always a but. 88 hours to complete the course. Mm, There are nine checkpoints along the route, and you have to sign in and sign out of each checkpoint. Cutoff times are associated with these checkpoints because they don't want people taking, you know, if you're not going to make the 88, they'll they'll cut you off and say, you're done. They're not interested in, in keeping the race going over more, longer than it has to, because, well, they're there monitoring, they have safety crews out, they have people that are, are monitoring the course. So they, you want to limit the length of the race so that there was, because they organize it, they're responsible for the uh, participants, right? So if it goes beyond 88 hours, then you're talking about extra cost expenses. It's just one, it's a safety thing, cost thing, manpower thing. So of yeah. course you're going to limit it. Yeah. So uh, doing some research into this and to finish this race in 88 hours is a huge accomplishment. Only two thirds of the team were able to do it last year. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the entire field is not finished. And I think there was like 487 people or something like that yeah. registered in the race. Mm-hmm. Almost 500 people <laughs> in this race. And only about two thirds. Two thirds finished. Yeah. Uh, no dams, no locks or portages. Uh, you could, as they say, finish the entire race without even leaving your boat. <laughs> they don't recommend it. Yes. <laughs> but uh, they're, I was doing some research on, on dispatches they send out. And they say, eat in your boat, drink in your boat, even pee in your boat. <laughs> I would assume they mean stand up and pee while yeah. in your boat. Uh, but yeah, class one water. So yeah, flat water. The, the current moves about two to three miles per hour. Um, the biggest hazard to paddlers are motorboats, which are mostly fishermen going out yeah, fishing so and stuff like that. a bit of river traffic. There are tow boats, which push uh, barges and stuff around. And there's river obstacles and yeah, it's, it's, (laughs) it's a giant long three, four day paddle. Yeah. Was it three days, I guess? Yeah. So it's, it's like a a typical, you say you're going to take a week and do this thing. It's, this is what people do in a week, but oh, they're going to have to do it 88 hours or less type thing. So it's uh, like you did the, you guys did the Brent run last spring. Yeah. That's it, like half of this. Or no, not even half of this. Yeah. But the thing it, what about the difference is, is that you on the Brent Run, you guys had 21, how, how many portages you guys had? Lots. Like, like it was kilometers. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was, it was kilometers and kilo- yeah, like 28 yeah. kilometers of portages or yeah. something like that. And, and this, and it's, it's one of those things you think to yourself, okay, well I don't have to do portages, but then when you actually get there paddling hour and hour and it's like, man. I'd love a portage just, just for a to stretch of your pace. legs. Yeah, stretch the back, yeah. stretch the legs. Exactly. 
Yeah. So portages have their purposes. They they get you out of the canoe, get you to stretch your legs and and whatnot. But uh, also, like, it doesn't take much more than a couple hundred meters. You're going okay. I'm, I'm done with this portage. For, I'm ready for the boat again. <laughs> But it's 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 interesting to see that it's uh, you could do the entire thing in your boat. Yeah, and I guess there's a few of different uh, races like this, uh, but this one you're going, you're basically paddling right across Missouri. Yeah, you yeah. know, and it's actually, if not for the race, even it'd be a great paddle. Yeah, you know, just checking out the route and stuff. And there's they say there's you know there's a lot of little towns and hamlets and whatnot. There's some. Um, scenic isolated areas and and whatnot and yeah it sounds like a good vacation actually actually yeah you, <laughs> you know? do it you take a drive down you do it over about five or six days it's uh it'd be a nice area to go in yeah so I mean when you start looking into it they're, they're they got their rules there's a a mandatory race check-in and safety meeting the day before the race actually starts yes um they do you know your normal safety things and you got to do this and you got to do that whatnot um, ground support is required for all races, racers, sorry. The physical ground crew is present at checkpoints and knows with some certainty where their racers approximate location and condition. So a, that's a bit of a complication though, eh? Like you've got to have a, a support team with you. Yeah. Um, a virtual ground crew is able to track a racer via electronic means. So if you got like a spot tracker yeah, or something so like spot that, track, right? yeah, yeah. Tra- just track your whereabouts. Both physical and virtual crew ground crews must be available 24 hours a day for phone contact with race officials seeking information on their racers. So that's, you know, I mean, that's all safety stuff, right? Yes. Ground crew may assist with procurement of supplies, setup of tents, preparation of meals, but may not in any way assist with propulsion of the boat. So they're just there to help you out while you're, you know, with your food yes. and stuff like that. So you'll, you'll meet. Now I was reading some things and there's a lot of strategy into this too, where they have these certain checkpoints, but the checkpoints are so crowded. So they say there's people that will actually meet before the checkpoint yeah. and do their quick resupply. So they're, oh. they're losing like a couple minutes tops. Exactly. You're right? not in a crowded area. And you're area not in a resupplying. big crowded area where you're going yeah. to lose 10 minutes. Exactly. So they've just lost a minute, two minutes yeah. as opposed to 10 minutes. So the checkpoint they're is eight minutes only ahead. checking in and getting going. They've again. got to, they get yeah. close to shore at the checkpoint, I guess. And they see their ground crew. They yell to them. They check you in and out. Yeah. And apparently that's allowed and you never actually leave the water and you just keep on going. Mm-hmm. There's a couple places where you check in for the night. You can check in for the night and sleep. Yeah. Now, one of the dispatches that they sent out, I, I, I read, was, but there's a train that goes through, and there's so many people, yeah. and trying to sleep, you you're, you're just yeah. not, your mind's going, and everything's yeah. going, all the hubbub around you. So it's worth going that extra distance to the next little area. It, now, is it approved areas? Like, you you can't just stop anywhere you want to rest? You I have get to... the impression they're approved areas. Okay. Yeah. So just to control, I suppose it is to control disruption to, you don't want to be camping in somebody's field or somebody's yeah. uh, dock or somebody's backyard. Yeah. They want to, so I imagine they want to control. And they want to know where everybody is as yeah. well, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, but it's up to you whether you want to travel at night or not. Yep. If you are traveling at night, you got to have the full navigation lights as required uh, by Missouri state law. Uh, so that's the red green lights on the bow and the white stern light. Plus they're yeah. saying, you know, you should have a light on you as well as your headlamps and all that, because there is some, some, uh, boat traffic at night with the barges and stuff. Yeah. Right. So you really got to be careful. There's no restrictions on the design of the canoe or kayak you're using. Uh, but the original craft must be paddled from start to finish. Repairs can be made to the craft during the race, but no other alterations. Uh, the paddler's guide, they tell you is uh, all about what you're going to find in the way of obstacles and stuff in, in the river. The Missouri River, the Missouri river is um, a working river for all intents and purposes. You know, you're going to find the barges and stuff like that. Uh, you're going to find boys, wing dikes, which we, I don't think we ever had to have to deal with up in Canada. Wing dikes. Yeah, these, yeah, this and is. And bridge pilings. Yeah. 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 And park barges. Um, the boys 
red nun boys and green can boys. Uh, big, heavy steel objects anchored by cable. I mean, you've seen them all. Give these boys a wide berth under no circumstances should you tie off to one as they can sometimes be forced completely underwater by the current. Yeah. Right? Um, going downstream, keep the green boys to your right and the red to your left. Wing dikes are rock structures built into the river by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, which is why we wouldn't have them in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, they they do a lot of water control down yeah. the States. They have a lot of heavy water, then they have a lot of flooding issues. And we we rarely come across issues that, like the Red River in, in Winnipeg. Yeah, like we got beavers. But, <laughs> yeah. but this year, they, these wing dikes are built to, it speeds up the river and the water flow. It pushes the water to, away from the bank yep. and towards the middle of the river. So yet these, and they're like wings. They, they, just, they come in from the sides and they point downstream and it just pushes the water towards the center of the stream. So it's just, it's a water control measure. Yeah. Um, the other thing you're going to find parked barges, moored barges are dangerous for obvious reasons. The water continues to pass under the, the front end of the, and any boat that gets pinned in front, oh, you're going under. I never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're, if you're, you, by the time it, you rolled out the other side of the barge, you'd be long gone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, barges parked or moored at riverbanks and should be given a wide berth. Sand dredges are sometimes moored mid channel. Oh, for the yeah. purpose of harvesting sand from the bottom. Yeah. And there's dredges that go from, or uh, barges that go from the dredge to wherever with the sand. Yeah. You got to watch out for those as well. Dredges are sometimes anchored by cables in the water. So avoid the dredges, avoid the cables and watch for the sandbars moving up and down. Hmm. And like I say, some of them go at night. Now the barges moving at night apparently have big spotlights. Oh, so yeah. you're going to see them. Yeah. It'd be but, obvious. You know, they may not see They you. may not see you. <laughs> Even with your little lights, right? Yeah. Uh, bridge pilings, you know, strong current going around these. So you got to stay clear and they're marked, uh, red lights at night and the green ones mean the safe channel to go down. Okay. Uh, most of the traffic they say you see is recreational. So fishermen, uh, you just got to watch out for their wakes. And that's, I mean, we run into that all the time as oh, well, absolutely, right? yeah. You know, just keep your, your bow pointed into the wakes and, uh, and go from there. The other big one, July and August are hot, uh, in Missouri. Mm -hmm. Paddling is hard work, they say. <laughs> yeah, can be. <laughs> uh, carry enough water to get you to your next town or source. And if you're feeling you're overheating, beach your boat and take a quick swim. Yeah. Nothing's going to cool you down faster than the water, right? And there's full access to water in this race. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sunscreen, use a lot of it. You know, yeah, when you got the nice hot sun coming down and beating down on you down there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's going to get you. I'll, I burn like, like it's crazy. So yeah, that'd be one of the things I'm, I'm really looking out for. They do have two lists of gear. One is reckon required and one is recommended. Required gear are Missouri river map, life vest for each paddler, which is standard. Yeah. A lot of these are very, they make sense. Yeah. Cell phone with extra batteries, an extra paddle, liner rope suitable for towing. Knife, first aid kit matches, emergency blanket with a reflective mylar, 12 hours worth of water. <laughs> that one struck me and I'll tell you in a second why. Um, and for night travel, full red, green, white navigation lights is required by the Coast Guard and a strong flashlight or spotlight. The 12 hours worth of water, I guess, I mean, I wouldn't think of taking 12 hours because I'd have the, the water filter. This water's dirty and sandy. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Like, is it that bad that be, you can't I imagine filter it? Would it? Be silty. Like, it's they the barges, the river traffic. There be there's a lot of. Uh, it's a heavily used river. There's going to be oil. There's going to be sand and churn yeah. and sludge. Yes, yeah, so you really wouldn't want to be filtering and drinking it. No, and that much silt and dirt in the water is mm -hmm. going to clog it anyway. It's an industrial river. There's yeah. going to be a lot of contaminants. Yeah. So yeah, the twelve hours worth of water. Um. Marine radio, ground crew to follow racer for resupply, emergency tent, shelter, toilet kit, bedroll, food, high calorie and protein, sunblock, hat, sunglasses, good footwear, GPS, and duct tape. Those are just recommendations, now, but not required. Now this, this brings up a point. I thought we had, uh, I thought you had to have a ground crew. Well, and that's what it sounded like in the rules with 
earlier. And here it's recommended, not required. It says ground crew yeah. to follow research to, for resupply or emergency. Yeah. Unless you're going to keep it all on hand. Yeah. If you have a virtual ground crew, they're not actually there. And exactly. you bring they're everything with you. you yeah. Right. Then, then yeah, as long as they can, as long as somebody's tracking you and knows whereabouts you are mm-hmm. so that if they call you, you can go, yeah, according to their GPS, they're here. Yeah. So, um, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. You're, you're talking, uh, what is this? Three, over three days. Yeah. Four days, four days. Uh, five, if you count the seventh, which is the, uh, uh, mandatory ra- race meeting. Yes. Safety meeting, right? Uh, but yeah, the, the MR340, so check out rivermiles.com, uh, MR340. And like, it happens this August and it sounds like a lot of, a lot of fun. That's for sure. And just like to say thanks to Matt from Seattle for yeah. uh, bringing this to our, our attention. And if you have any other things that uh, you think we might uh, be interested in and other people would be, definitely drop us a line. We love hearing from our listeners. Definitely do. Uh, just a reminder before we head out for the another week, uh, the Kitchener-Waterloo Canoe Symposium, Saturday, April 8th. I think all the tickets are gone. Mm-hmm. If not, check their website. Yeah. Uh, there might be one, two. Last I heard, there was four left maybe. Uh, Princess Twin Cinemas in Waterloo. I have my ticket. I got mine. Uh, where to find us is on Facebook at paddlingadventuresradio.com, on Twitter, and on Instagram. Uh, I think that's about it for this week. Yeah. Covered a lot of things, man. Yeah. All right. This is almost getting too easy. Almost. Almost. <laughs> don't don't jinx it now. Uh, yeah. So that's about it. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for listening again this week. And until next time, I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek. See you next time.